What's up, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Week 4 Recap and Week 5 Preview Show for the PPR Podcast. I'm Chase Zadoro. As always, I'm joined by our South Bay Game of the Week reporter, Bo Furtag. Bo, there's no way we can talk about any other game first unless we start talking about Lincoln and Modern Day. That was a phenomenal performance on both sides of the ball. Obviously, we can talk about Roderick Robinson, and we will. But I want to talk about that Lincoln defense first. Just... The amount of pressure they got on Dominic Nankill throughout the entirety of the game, and especially in that second half when they needed to force their way back in, I mean, I was blown away. Yeah, it started from the middle of that front, from Journey Tala to Rashad Scott, the sophomores to the edges with Chris Fuel and David Peavy. They were applying pressure all night long. And then you drop to the secondary, Josiah Cox, Joshua Carroll had an interception. I thought Chris White, out of all the the corners— played exceptionally well during that night. He was really on McClure, it seemed like, the whole night and did a really good job in just shutting them down step for step. All uh, He was step for step all night and with the receivers. The, the pressure, too, to just... It, I felt so bad for Dominic Nankel sometimes because he didn't give up at all, but he kept fighting and it just wasn't there. And we saw him in the game against Cathedral where he would roll out and he had the athletes that would get open. Right. But like you said, the DBs just had the clamps. There was nowhere to go. The amount of times he had to forcefully throw the ball out of, out of play, you could just see the frustration just build and build. And right. Lincoln really just, I mean, took away any thought that they had of getting back into it that game. It starts up front. Yeah. You know, whenever you talk about a good secondary when you're able to apply pressure on the quarterback, the, the secondary can stay with a single route. They don't have to worry about a double move. There's a lot of things that they don't have to worry about when the pressure is coming on the quarterback. We saw that with Joshua Carroll, that RPO. He knew that ball was coming hot because Nack Hill was getting pressure and stepped in front of that slant route. So it was a well-executed game, well-drawn-up game by that Lincoln defense. And just so much energy on the pass rush, too. seemed like they never got tired. They were always hungrier for the next sack or the next right. rollout. I mean, Micah Valenzuela, you, you mentioned Journey uh, Tala, who's a sophomore. I mean, they balled out. on. then you have the outside guys who might just be the two best pass rushers in San Diego. with um, The best P- combo. The definitely. best combo, definitely. I'd have to say that. Uh, I mean, that, that Lincoln defense just blew me away. And they were just so hungry, and I just love to see it. But we obviously have to talk about Roderick Robinson. Before we get into that, because you mentioned it, Coach Dunn at halftime said he was mostly talking about Robinson, but you can tell it was for the whole squad that he's going to get stronger. And that Lincoln team got stronger. That is a great recipe to let everyone know who is the better team, who's the best team in the county. And when a team gets stronger, and when you see another team not able to live up or play up to those expectations like modern day did in that second half, uh, they were the best team by far. And I think, you know, for anybody out there who's looking at modern day's record at 0-4 and you're saying, you know, maybe the D3 to D1 move was too much, you know, maybe they're not with the best of them, maybe they can't handle this, I'm having none of it. Absolutely none of it. They can easily be 2-2 and in this year. We both have said that many a times. And that only adds to what Lincoln did to them on Saturday night. It's not a discussion of they're not up for it. They are definitely up for it. That Lincoln team just took any thought they had in their minds of beating them that night. It was incredible what they did. Yeah, there just wasn't many adjustments made by modern day, which was a bit surprising. They stayed in that open backfield. They, They just didn't. You know, usually when you see a lot of pressure coming off of the edges, you add a tight end or, you know, the running back steps up and makes a block. But it was, um, it was 
I was just surprised that there just wasn't many adjustments made on that side. Yeah, the ball. and you know, then we have to talk about Roderick Robinson, yes, which let's. you know, when I was up there, I was on top of the press box. This was in the second half, and I had to make sure to get the stats back to you guys. So I had to focus on making sure that was done. And, and you then, did a great job. And then also, that, by thank the way. you. And then also watching the game, every time Modern Day punted. I made sure that I dropped everything that I did because there was a 50-50 chance he was taking it to the house. Right. And I believe he did almost live up to those odds. I mm -hmm. mean, that was one of the most incredible performances I have ever seen any sport anywhere. It was just, and to do that to that team, that modern day team has so many D1 players on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And just the angles those guys were taking to try to tackle him and then for him to just leave them in, his, in the dust, incredible. I, I still can't believe... 32 rushes, 476 yards, eight touchdowns, tied Dorian Richardson, Jamal, Jamal McClendon, Mac Bingham for the most rushing touchdowns in the game. His 476 yards is third all-time. Dorian Richardson holds both those with 499 and 493. Also, uh, shout-out to EC Preps, who's at Twitter at EC underscore Preps underscore SD for giving us all the stats. Mm -hmm. We thank you for that. Yep. An all-time performance for one of the best players I think I've seen in high school. Yeah, I would agree. You know... You t we talked about his speed, we talked about his size, but I think what was on site that night was, and everyone got a, a taste of it, was his patience yeah. and balance. There was that one run where he went down, pulled himself up, off with, pulled himself up with one arm, did another 360 to get out of it, and then just his patience as well. Those are the characteristics that you look for in a running back at the next level. And yeah, to see his speed on display against a very fast, secondary in modern day at points it just looked like they were standing there which they weren't but it just goes to show you the speed he kept up with his 14 yards per carry average which is impressive against that modern day defense trey edwards was still there yeah so the I fact mean, that I had he him, did i had him i had him for two tackles for a loss in that game yeah. which when you look at uh roger Robinson's stat line that seems like an incredible achievement in itself right you know so it wasn't it wasn't like they didn't have nobody in there he just still ate like he's always going to do. Coach Dunn and that coaching staff did a, a tremendous job that night. They definitely need to pat themselves on the back for that one. Yeah, and you know, I think when it comes to Rod and he, getting the opportunity to go on primetime that we, we offer. When the lights were the biggest, yeah. the best players show out, and that's exactly what Roderick did that night. And you know, I do love that Lincoln kept him in there. I, yeah. I don't know if they knew where he was in, in so consideration I, to the stats. I actually stats. saw on Twitter, uh, Coach Carter posted that his teammates were telling Coach Carter to keep him in the game. They want to see an athlete like that who puts in the work week in and week out to give him what he's all the... You talk about putting in all the hard work. To give him that is just a gift yeah, after putting The shining in moment work. when yeah. the lights are the biggest on TV when he can showcase himself. Right. I, I have no problem with them sticking him in there. On the other hand... You know, obviously they kept him in there because they don't know if he's going to be breaking the record or going close to it, but they knew that he right. was close to something. Right. On the other hand, I do also believe a little bit of it was they, they wanted to send a message. I think yep. they, you know, they had no problem running up that score, and I, don't, I think if they would have gone for 70 points, they, they would have taken that easily. I, you know, here it the, was the first time they played against a San Diego team, yep. so we weren't exactly sure what type of team they were because they hadn't played local competition. Uh, and when they did, they made the most of it. Yeah, and I think, you know, here at the PPR, as we say, we're here for all of you. We have no favorites. You guys are all our favorites. And we want to, you know, uplift everyone and have right. all your light shine. In this San Diego football family, I kind of like it there's a little bit of hate in it at times. I kind of like it that there's a little bit of rivalries, or at least to the point of, you know, 
hate from an athletic perspective on the field. We want to beat you, and we want to beat you guys bad. I like it because now that's you know that's bulletin board material for modern day. Right. Because you know there's a very good chance. Who knows what happens in the West? I don't see them just laying down and throwing in the white flag. No. Coach Joyner has those guys ready. No. Yeah. Exactly. He'll he'll have them ready after this week. And you know we don't know what will happen in the Western League. They're coming. They could they could match up again in the. They're coming into a bye week too, which is which is much needed because it looked like they were just getting banged up towards the end of that one. Yeah. So I. I love that there's a little bit of rivalry there and that they, they also want to send a message because right. they know who they have coming up in their schedule as well for Lincoln. So they want to put it, everybody on notice. Both that sides the of that deal. ball for Lincoln were, were impressive. Um, we'll talk about that top five later in the show. Yeah. But um, On to the game of the week, yeah. though. Cathedral versus Helix, which was obviously a highly anticipated matchup. Um, and like you said last week, we kind of anticipate maybe a, a defensive battle, which is right. what we got. Um, you know, Obviously, there's a little bit of a... you know the fumble that was ended up being a touchdown. But at the end of the day, Helix got the ball back, and Cathedral stopped them, got the interception. It was a great PBU yeah. by Victory Johnson. Sean Kagan got the interception. So even if even if that fumble didn't count, that's a, now an interception where they could probably go down, score the game-winning and touchdown. And the Helix coaching staff even came out and said it should have never gotten to that point. Yeah, which I love. They, right. They've all taken accountability. Like, this, it's not coming down to that play. Right, and that game was really big for Helix because they don't play against another open division caliber type of team down the stretch so they really needed to win that but because the game was so close I know pollsters will look at that and say hey they were a half yard away from winning that game yeah and I don't you know I don't take anything negative towards them I think they still played a great game sure could have been better on the offensive side Um, but to hang with Cathedral is you know that's no easy feat to do and they very well could have won that game if that fumble goes out for a touchback you know so you know, Helix, I still have very much at the top um, as the best team yeah. in San Diego. Ryland Jesse had nine touchdowns, zero picks before this week. And we talked about he'll need to play a game, his best game of the season, an airless game as yeah. far as turnovers. And those turnovers definitely play an impact when you play against a top team like Cathedral. And, yeah. and we talk about when you go against those big teams and when the big teams go against each other, yeah. the margin for error. Right. So small. Right. You know, you can't have those and expect to win the game. But they, they still hung with it. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously, um, I, I really liked what I saw from your South Bay game of the week. Yeah, as well. I, I did as well. I wasn't sure exactly what to ex- expect. But Dante Scott, I saw him live and he was impressive yeah. on both sides of the ball. Started the game with a sack, then got injured on the second drive, came back in, made impact plays on the outside, uh, separated from the secondary, got on the other side. And uh, just made big play after big play. One of his biggest plays was called back, so we weren't able to show it. But he was impressive all night long. And on the other side, and it was nice to see Coach Arciaga get his first win at Benita Vinza. It was a convincing win this year. Uh, at least his first win this season, not his first win as a mm-hmm. head coach there. Yeah. But um, it was nice to see him get his first win of the season and a convincing win. And then on the other side for Hilltop, Six foot one, 225 pounder Tyron Washington had one of the more impressive runs that I had seen all season long. And he played both ways. He played in the trenches. He was a defensive tackle. He had a strip sack fumble, which was impressive. And then, so he had a 40 yard touchdown run, broke off of like four or five different tackles. And then the very next possession on defense, he had a strip sack fumble. So Washington was impressive. When I think of the big bruising backs, I think Roderick Robinson. I think Demarion Wright out of Morris, uh, Major Givens, McMillan out of Modern Day, and then I put Washington in that top wow. five. He was that impressive. Wow. Yeah, definitely someone we'll have to watch going I, forward as well. Uh, yes, do. And then also, um, 
it being their first win, you know, kind of an upset as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of upsets this week, you know. It was upset week. It definitely week, was. Week four. De- definitely for the dogs this uh, this week. Um, one that, you know, maybe they're a little bit closer in terms of ranking, but anytime you're starting that many freshmen, it's going to be an upset if you pull off a win, especially a convincing win like Saints pulled off with a 45-7 to win over Steel Cannon. Brady Palmer, 410 yards, five touchdowns. Um, Ron Gladnick told me, you know, keep him a secret for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, secret's out, coach. Uh, he balled out, and I expect more from him coming down the stretch. Obviously, it's going to get a lot tougher from here. Helix, modern day, Scripps Ranch, which could be a very winnable game. Scripps Ranch is up for the task, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lincoln, Madison, and the Holy Bowl against Cathedral. Right. Uh, it, you know, Saints getting two wins coming into this one. If they could sneak two more somehow, it's nice for that would confidence. be incredible. It's good for confidence, but it's going to be a tough stretch yeah. down towards the end of that schedule. And it's nice to see Palmer use his arms and his legs. Yeah, He's that definitely. dual threat quarterback, so when he does get in trouble, very similar to Nat Hill, he's able to elude the pressure and open things up that nece- necessarily aren't there. When the play breaks down, he's almost at his best. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, now they get that testing ground where they might lose out this, the rest of these games. They very well could. Yeah. But it's going to be how do we perform? How do we test up against these guys? So, I mean, they're playing with house money at the moment. Right. Um, you know, another big matchup was the North County game of the week as well. Yeah, LCC beating Mission Hills 13-10. to 10. A great defensive battle on both sides, as we expected, out of the Avocado League. Uh, LCC's Caden Miller with nine tackles on the night. He was impressive on the defensive end. And Andrew Mays with a game-winning touchdown. So you like to see that. Tyler Robles, we talked about, you know, those turnovers and special teams. Tyler Robles, a 47-yard field goal and a 46-yard field goal. Those are the type of plays that win you close games. And Robles was clutch when he needed to be. Especially in that closely contested battle mm-hmm. where nothing's going right really for anybody on either side. Um, I believe Mission Hills uh, scored a touchdown off their uh, pick six. Right. So, you know, in those situations, you need those big kicks. And to kick them from 40 yards plus, I mean, huge moment for him as well. So. Yeah, 40 yards are equivalent to a 50-yard exactly. field goal in the NFL. Exactly. And I mean, three or four yards away from a 50-yard. Yeah. They were like 41, 42 no, yards. And they didn't just scrape the bar or anything. Right. They, they got some distance going off the back end of it as well. So, I mean, that's a huge win, especially for the avocado league we'll get yeah. into a little bit more of that later um but you know another big upset la jolla country day and escondido charter came in at three and oh what'd you yeah, think of that so one? also both teams were at three and oh uh and w- the white tigers going from d5 beating a d4 team right. you know, someone we don't really cover that much someone you know they'll they'll make their appearance every once in a while on the show but now we're gonna have to you know going for no uh skylar uh mcmahon five touchdown passes in the last game He's, they look really good, and that's what we got from um, Mike Milburn as well. He said, wow, I was, I was really surprised to see how right. well they play. So we're going to have to cover the White Tigers a bit more. Yeah, and Mike Milburn knows his stuff better yeah. than anyone else. Uh, we talked about Del Norte last week. That's, you know, It's always funny when you talk a team up and they, they don't. Lose. Yeah. It's not that they disappointed. They played a great La Jolla team at La Jolla. Yeah, La that's Jolla, always a tough place to play as well. Uh, coach Roach and that coaching staff, Coach Kiki, Coach Chris, always have those guys ready at home. Scully, their running back, their senior, over 100 rushing yards. He now has over 100 rushing yards in three of the three, of the three contests that he's played. Uh, you look at their quarterback. Um, gosh, oh, Jackson Deal. The, yeah, deal. yeah, we real talked deal. about him being the real deal, right? 11 touchdowns, one interception on the season. So that offense is looking really good right now, and that defense just seems to bring it week in and week out. 
So that La Jolla Viking team is going to be someone to keep an eye on. And they now move to, I believe, 3-1 and one on the season yeah. as well. They look really good, and that's a very big win for them. Um, and then we also had some kind of record-breaking moments. Obviously, Roderick Robinson right. with his moments, but around the county, someone who keeps his name popping up on this show, uh, San Marcos, freshman quarterback. We almost, because we talk about him so much, we almost need to come up with uh, like a, hey, Makaheli, yeah, Makaheli, Makaheli, you know, <laughs> something like that because we, this guy, week in and week out, he broke the San Marcos record. We, there's Seven just, touchdowns, 400 yards. Just, I mean, great stuff, man. And Jason Texler is back at his old place. So it's just great to see him back in, in the driving seat doing great things with that offense. And, I mean, we talked about Brady Palmer earlier, and now it's, it's Crete, and we've talked about him a lot. The freshman just balling out. Yeah. And it's, it's so cool to see that, like, wow, we're really in good hands for a couple of years now. But he's, he's got a 73% completion percentage through the start of the season. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, 1,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, three picks, averaging 355 yards a game. I mean, the only loss they had was to Mir Mason. It was a close loss, and Mir Mason is a good team. I mean, San Marcos, we keep talking about him being back and the real deal. Right. But this Creek kid is the real deal. Well, you need help on the, Absolutely. On the outside. Absolutely. And we can definitely say San Marcos has the best trio of wide receivers in yeah. Cummings, Ball, and Knicks. All those guys, whether it's one or the other, they all seem to do well. Um, and whether it's three, you know, I believe Cummings and Knicks had three touchdowns apiece this last week. So, you know, we saw Ball that first week, Ball out. So it's week in and week out, man. It's just one or the other. You can't, you know, even like a team like Modern Day, if you shut down McClure and Buncombe, I mean, you shut down that offense for the most part. Yeah. This is a team where you shut down one of those guys, you still have two other guys yeah, to worry about. it's impossible to cover all of them. And right. then when you have a guy completing passes at 73% rate, I mean, that's incredible. So, yeah. you know, everyone, we keep saying it, go watch San Marcos. It will be interesting because we have the underclassman of the year award and we've never put a freshman on that podium. I mean, but if he keeps putting up numbers like this, we almost have to. And then we have a couple other, you know, sophomores in there as well, like uh, Ty Olson from uh, Del Norte, who he's balling out every week. Yeah. The underclassmen have been so impressive. Ty Olson had another three touchdowns, yeah, 10 receptions for over I mean, it's yards. like how many times I just look up when watching the show and it's like, he's breaking off another one down right. the side. Line. It's right. incredible. I yeah. mean, just so many good young players and in then San you, Diego. You talk about sophomore players. Yeah. Christian Noriega of Olympian broke the school record. Five passing touchdowns. Three to Jake Marcel, one to Javon Jordan, and one to Gavin Dominguez. They had an impressive win, 49 nothing over Valhalla. It's great to see that program on the up right now. Jimmy Clark's doing a really good job. And the storyline coming into this week is Jimmy Clark, old Spartan, went to Chula Vista. I played with him in the early 2000s. Coached there against, or coached there with Bannister as the head coach. Coach Bannister and Chula Vista now go to Olympian to play the homecoming game. And there's a few players on that coaching staff. Nate Flowers is the offensive line coach, and Lonnie Brookins is a coach there as well. Those guys went to Chula Vista. So there's going to be a lot of hype around that homecoming at the O this week. So that's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. But congratulations to Christian Noriega. And it's great as well, you know, seeing them come back because their season was cut short last right. year. So it's, it's right. great to have these storylines for them. Right. And uh, I also got to give a shout out to someone else who's also, you know, at least him and his team, RBV's quarterback, uh, Connor Underhells, just set the new RBV record for most career passing touchdowns in school history and moves RBV to 4-0. That team, they just won't go away. And every single time, you know, it's another big performance from someone, another big right. standout performance, high-powered offense. I mean, I love watching them, and I can't wait to see what they do in D3 as well. 
Um, and also, big, you know, that's a big moment where you go down in history as the career passing touchdown leader for your school. Yeah, we talk about top 10, and we're going to get into that right now, but that's a team that's just outside of the top 10 that's looking in. And their wins are convincing. There's yeah. something to say about a convincing win. And I think we can say Lincoln didn't run up the score. They were just simply trying to make the score look as good as possible because when it comes down to the seedings, they want to show that not only did we beat a good team, but we beat them convincingly. Yeah. And that's what RBV is Absolutely. doing right now. They're definitely in that same boat where yeah. they're like, hey, you know, we got to beat everyone and put as many points on the score for right. ourselves, not right. for anything against them. I agree. So, I mean, might as well just get into our top yep. ten. Um, if you want to do yours first, go right ahead. Um, I was going to say you first, but I will go <laughs> ahead and go first. Uh, you know, I can't go back on my words from last week. No, no San Diego team has beat Cathedral Catholic, and that remains the same. So I have them as 1A. But there's no, there hasn't been a more dominating team this year than Lincoln. So we'll go 1B. <laughs> there's still a lot of weeks to be played. So I have them 1A, 1B. And then Madison has been impressive. They had an impressive win Saturday over a good Ramona team. I have them at three. And then Carlsbad, still the best pure passer in the county. And they play in a tough avocado league. So I have them at four. And then outside looking in, Helix and Poway. Those teams, unfortunately, don't play against a, a tough schedule like those top four teams. So I have them on the outside looking in. And you talk about impressive wins. Those teams are going to need to put together some impressive wins in order to scratch in that top four. Uh, so for, I guess, for my top five, um, I too said last week that, you know, unless somebody from San Diego beats Cathedral. And you could go back on your word. Dogs, That's okay. Yeah, I'm going to need us. You're human. Someone needs to go back and just take that out of the podcast. Right. Because uh, I'm going back on my word. <laughs> right. What I saw from Lincoln and what I saw them do I to get a it. very good Mother Day team. I get they're it. They're number one. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and it's nothing against Cathedral. Nope. Uh, but they have looked the most impressive on both sides of the ball. I think their quarterback play has been better. Um, you could just even look at the you know the wide receiver options. Corey Thompson Miller played well. Um, Makai Gray, Aiden mm -hmm. Billups also had good, great moments right. in that game. So it's not like it's just the Roger Robinson show. They have the weapons on offense. And then oh by the way, you have Roger Robinson. It's uh, that offense is really good. That defense, I think you can make the argument that they're up there with Cathedral and arguably just as good as them. They have the star right. talent on there, just like Cathedral has star talent. Their pass rush might be better. Um, I'm. I think Lincoln's the better team right now. So I got them at number one. That's okay. And I got I, them. Yeah. I'm moving up three spots. I believe I had them at four. Cathedral, number two. Uh, I got Madison moving up to number three. Yep. Uh, Helix, I have dropping down to four. And Carlsbad at five. Yeah. There's, there's a... It's it's hard because... Discussion you know, to be had for you know, I Because I still think El Camino's a good team. Mm -hmm. And they, they took a very... It was very close with Carlsbad. Right. But I think... I think Helix probably is a little bit more well-rounded than Carlsbad at this moment. I think that if they played each other, it would be a fantastic game. I'd love to see that. One uh, guy we did mention quickly uh, was K.J. Chatham. Yeah. He looked really good, really poised under pressure, coming calm, off, Coming collecting. off an ankle injury, so and he looked And that great. was the big question mark last week out of Lincoln, and K.J. Chatham answered any question we had, any question mark, any mystery that we thought he might be injured, that he just might not be that guy because he didn't start week three yeah. against, say, Bonaventure. But... He was just as impressive as anyone else that he just looked he, he was very decisive in his in his movements as well in his throws. So I, I thought KJ Chatham was just as impressive yeah. as and, anyone else. And he and he just had to play short yardage. I think they had a uh, I think Ray was a Raylon Logan or uh, who did the, the double pass. Right, that right. was probably the longest throw they had the whole night. Right. Everything was just short yardage, keep him honest. They and did get over the top on one. It was a fake bubble screen and the oh, yeah. receiver leaked out. 
But uh, no, I thought Chatham lived up to the hype. And really, I mean, you, it gives you the argument to say Lincoln is the number one team because yeah, I think they that have. quarterback mystery is, is now answered. Yeah, and I think they have to be considered the yeah. top dogs at this moment. I get it, man. Um, the rest of my it. top ten, I, I have uh, Poway at six. Mir Mesa, even though they, they did not play, I have them at uh, number seven. Uh, San Marcos, who I had unranked, is now at number eight. Mm-hmm. LCC, who I had unranked, is now at number nine. And I have Mission Hills dropping to number ten. I have modern day slipping out of my top ten. Um, I still and I think they would un- they would completely understand that. I hope at this point at this <laughs> they got point, my they- phone number, dude. I hope <laughs> they would have to fight themselves back into this into this top ten. Um, it's I still fully believe that they're one of the top ten teams in this county, if not yep. even higher. Um, I would say also about ninety five percent of the teams who play their schedule would also be zero four. Right. So I had nothing against them, but at the same time. It's got to be earned and not given at this point, especially with right. other teams performing right. so right. well. So, you know, I expect them to be back in the top ten. We talked about our top two. four, and, yeah, Modern Day's played against three of those top yeah, four exactly. teams. So, so, you know, it's, yeah. so I got them on the outside. Uh, some other outsiders looking in. Obviously, Ramona falling because of their loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Central not being able to play so that I couldn't move them up. I still right. still fully believe in them. And then Granite Hill's also been playing very well. Yeah, uh, I got them just on the outside looking in right now. Yeah. Um, so that's our top 10. So we might as well start off with the preview for this next week. And we got a great slate of games. I cannot wait for this. Game of the week will be Mission Hills at Carlsbad. Mission Hills with a bad, uh, I guess a bad loss to LCC. Tough but loss. Tough loss would be a better word, way of putting it. Um, but then at Carlsbad, which will be you know a very hyped atmosphere. Huge game for the Avocado. Huge game for the Open Division. Um, I cannot wait to see what happens in that one. And I want to see how Carlsbad reacts because it was a close game mm-hmm. against El Camino. Um, but Mission Hills is very much a very good team. And can they cause the same problems that El Camino caused? I don't know if they have those guys up front. Both those programs have a great coaching staff. Obviously, so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be a good one. I, I expect Sayin to have a very good game, though, as well. Yeah, it, it's, I, you mentioned it as well. It's great to see players like Sayin. Uh, and just programs like both of those programs, when they do have tough games, how do they respond? Yeah. Let's see how they respond next week. And I think both teams will respond with a quality game for our game of the week. It's the reason why it's a game of the week. And then, you know, we have another huge matchup in the north as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3-1 San Marcos at 2-2 two two La Costa Canyon. With both of those games for the Avocado going on, meaning, you know, two teams are taking losses this week. It's going right. to have huge implications not only for the league, but, you know, LCC, if they could pull off another win against San Marcos, San Marcos is a team that can, you know, force other teams to lose. This could be huge for them as well. They're in D1 as well. So, you know, It'll be nice game. to see how that offense of San Marcos goes up against the defense of LCC. Yeah, definitely. After slowing down Mission Hills last week. Absolutely. And, you know, the last time San Marcos was put in a, a real testing ground position, it was against Mira Mesa, lost a close one, yeah. and now it's another chance for them to, like, all right, we get another chance to prove ourselves against a top-quality right. team. So I wouldn't be surprised if San Marcos comes out hot again. And there's something to say for, you know, even modern day, like pre, pre-stacking their pre-league schedule. Yeah. It's like, I almost give you, I almost give you more kudos. Like, good for you for stacking your schedule like that. I'd much rather see a team go out that way than the opposite. And Avocado League teams don't even have to do that yeah. because they play a tough league schedule. So San Marcos gets a, a, not a redemption game, but they get to save face and say, we are this team. They go up against a defense that's only allowing 13 points per game. So it's going to be a great matchup to watch. And then on the other side of that, they're scoring 
42 points per game. For so it's, right. it's which one's going to break the other. You know, right. I can't wait to watch that. So big games in the avocado this week. But then we move on to our Jersey Mike City game of the week. Two and two Christian at three and one point Loma. The pointers look good. Yeah, a very convincing win against West Hills. Um, Christian team always is going to be tough. Uh, but I, I expect Point Loma to come out as strong again. Now they get the. You we know, talked about those city teams. Yeah. So if it's a if it's a flip coin or a coin, <laughs> flip coin. Let me flip that. If it's a coin <laughs> flip, I'm going with any city team. Yeah. The, just city team. The city league just is, is impressive right now. They put up points and they they d up. And I think until I can see someone start to put up points at the same rate they can yeah. in those games they play against them. I'm going to have to lean the same way. Right. Uh, that Christian team, though, they we have seen them put in some good performances. A bit of a slow start so far this year, um, but they're going to have a tough test against Point Loma. This Point Loma senior group is very, very good, and we've talked how experienced they are playing with each other. Um, Our North County game of the week actually got changed. Yes. Rancho Bernardo Del Norte. Yes, and that's that's gonna be a good one too. Del Norte coming off of a uh, you know not a bad loss at La Jolla, but right. they you know they had high expectations to keep going. They still had a chance to win it at the end of that game. Yeah, and so now it's how can they bounce back? Um, RB also a team that's been you know very slow to the start of the season. So this could be a, another opportunity for Del Norte to show that like all right, let's get back together. You know, let's get things moving again. Right. I expect Del Norte to win this one by a sizable margin. Jack Snyder, Ty Olson. Ty Olson once again had another big game. Yeah. It'll be the first time we put a sophomore on the podium. Who knows? It just might be that <laughs> year where we switch things up. We're, we're showing live games now. So yeah, might as well. <laughs> why keep, keep that trend going. And then Chris Guzman in the backfield. I, Del Norte just has too much firepower. I think they're going to put up at least 40 in that game. Yeah, I can see it definitely. And, and then, then uh, my... South Bay game of the week, Mission Bay traveling to Montgomery. We know Mission Bay can put up a lot of points. Montgomery average, or allowing less than 10 points per game on the defensive side. Uh, Coach Dunkel always has that program ready. It would be interesting to see if that offense could keep up with Mission Bay's offense because we know the Buccaneers are going to put up points. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be another one of those of like who breaks who. Is the, big, is the defense that doesn't allow stuff going to break the offense that scores right. that much? Right. And who adjusts to the game? Um, I think it would be a lot tougher for Montgomery to keep up with the points that Mission Bay could put up. So they're going to really need to Montgomery's stout. Montgomery's 3-1 this year. Yeah, they so are. It's, they it's are. been a great start to their season. This is, this is a test week Definitely. For, for the Aztecs. Definitely. And uh, be kind of a test week for Mission Bay as well. Yeah, they, they I need agree. to see how they can do against a good defense. Right. Um, and then we get to the, uh, out to the East County for the Elk of Hone Ford East County game of the week. 2-1 Central at 3-1 Granite Hills. This is going to be a really good one. This Central team, uh, people are sleeping on them. They really are. There's a lot of good players, but same with Granite Hills. They, they, you know, they beat some teams very convincingly. This is, will be the biggest test, I think, for both of these squads. We've already seen Central take down Point Loma. Um, I, I think this is one. the best East County game of the week that, that yeah. I can think of right now. It's really good. And yeah. catching these teams at this time as well. Uh, Charlie Sullivan, the running back for Central, uh, he's 500 yards and seven touchdowns already this season. He had a monster season last season. But someone to, you know, we always talk about Joaquin Thomas as the guy to watch for um, Granite Hills. But he's still the most electrifying player on this field. But uh, Maxwell Turner game. has been on a tear for the Eagles, uh, at least in recent games, running the ball. And uh, I believe he's a sophomore as well. So right. it'll be a great matchup to see, you know, and kind of, a, you know, another testing ground game. You, right. You'd see who these teams are when you go against these really tough opponents. So I actually called this game and I called Parlon Perrion. So shout out to Parlon and, and not uh, crucifying me for getting his name wrong. Yeah, we got, he, we got was, a T-shirt coming in. For he, you. We do. I told him and he was a great sport about it. So I do appreciate that Parlon. You know, in doing that game in the highlights, it was just 
a variety of names that were scoring. Yeah. And you'd love to see that from an Eagles team. It's not just one guy. We know about Joaquin Thomas, obviously. But when it comes from uh, a, just a slew of players, it's like that is, to me, the depth of that team is something that has been overlooked. Definitely. Up into the season. And they could very well push themselves into the top 10 with a, with a big win against yeah, Central. I agree. Um, so last things to talk about. We both saw it. Uh, and I have something as well I didn't tell you, and it just came to my mind. Go right but ahead. Go, no, you, you go. You, I just wanted to make sure before you signed off. One of the best things was watching a freshman in Christian Washington take it to uh, the house. Yes, yes. I mean, and it was so good. Was it, You could hear him say, go, 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 after catching the ball halfway in the end zone uh-huh. and just take it to the house. Right. As a freshman, that's got to be so cool on the college level. Right. right. I was standing up. I was watching, I had it on the TV on Friday night when we were putting the show together, and I just remember hearing Christian Washington and just looking, and I started screaming. I'm surprised they didn't hear me on set. <laughs> uh, it's... You never know how fast a player is until he gets to, to yeah. the collegiate level. He hit that seam and no one was catching yeah, him. He was so shot cool. out of a cannon. It was impressive to watch. Uh, you know, and I'm a Christian Washington fan. The state championship game, he had 40 plus touches. In the, in the uh, CIF championship game, 40 plus touches against great defenses. I've never seen that in my career. I don't think I'll ever see that in my career. Yeah. Just a guy that can carry the load. Yeah. And uh, just it's, it's great to see a, a local product like that. And it's like, man, why didn't San Diego State get a, yeah, get a guy like that? But we, yeah. they had lucky. lucky. They have, exactly. they have uh, Bell still. So they, they, that, backfield, that backfield room was full. And it's just great to see Washington. And it, for, as a freshman, too, because most of the times you might get right. redshirt. He's a redshirt, and man. They, there's like, and I, he, he had a lot of carries in the first game. I believe yeah. they were blowing the team out, and they put him in. Right. So I was, you know, I was expecting, all right, what's he going to do in the second game? And I didn't see him. Yeah. And then next thing you know, he's just taking it to the house on a kickoff return. So cool to see, man. I hope he keeps, I keep, hope I he keeps falling out. In I agree. Uh, so the one thing I would like to touch on is, and I don't think it's talked about enough right now, and it seems like it's going more towards the officials and having them have more of, well, here, let me start here. Jalen Hall had that touchdown. He spun the ball and went towards his sideline. Yeah. It, there was no level of disrespect towards the other team. He just, when you're a player, you're a football player. Yeah. There's so much emotions that go into this game, and you're going to have more failures sometimes than successes. So when you succeed in scoring a touchdown, allow that player to enjoy the moment. Yeah, I agree. Right? To me, right now, the officials just have too much say in what's going on in the game. And I think more of that power should be taken away from the officials. Yes, for calling a game, I understand that. But when there's a player who succeeds and scores a touchdown, as long as that line of disrespect is not crossed, then I'm okay with the player enjoying the moment, living in the moment. These guys wake up early, they go to school. It's, it's a two, they have two jobs, to go to school and play football. And if you've never done either one, then talk to a player and understand the sweat and tears that goes into this game, the energy, just everything about it. When you have those moments, you should be able to celebrate those moments. And when someone does a spin of a ball and they get flagged for it, or a slam of the ball and they get flagged for it, Man, that just grinds my gears. Yeah. I, I really hope the I'm, officials look at, look back at that. Like I said, there's a level of disrespect. If he spins that ball, looks at a player yeah, and sure. taunts him, throw the flag yeah. all day. But if he's just if he's enjoying the moment, you have to let him go and not flag him for that. And you know, a lot of these kids. You know, we talk about some kids who 
are going to get D1 offers or going right. to go to play football. A lot of these kids aren't. And they might not even be the ones that score the touchdown. You're right. But they work with those kids that are getting the D1 offers. And so they want to celebrate with them just as much as the other. And those kids want to celebrate with the kids that this will be their last year. It possibly could be that person's best moment in his whole high school career. Ever. And you're taking away from him enjoying that moment. Yeah, yes, what the officials are saying is go enjoy that moment with your team on the sideline. But when the energy's going, man, and you score that touchdown, there's no better feeling in sports uh, I'm sure a slam dunk is great. I've never been able to get above the rim uh, in basketball. Yeah. A slam dunk in basketball, a home run in baseball, and a touchdown in football. Like, those are the accolades. Those are the moments where there's no better feeling yeah, in sports. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. As long as it, you know, we're not crossing a particular line, right. just let the kids play. Yeah. Just let them have their fun. You know, obviously, keep it in line because you don't want to lose, you know, the hold of the game, especially as a referee because then right. they cross the line, they're going to want to retaliate in some way. I fully understand that. But spinning the ball... I mean, everybody wants to spin the ball, you know, as long as they're not, you know, doing some crazy. And not everyone's able to do it. Yeah, as long as we're not seeing some key and peel type of celebrations out there, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? We're, I think everything else should be in play and just let the kids play. Because, right. you know, we know how hard it is for the officials as it is, with how stretched they are and experienced, and we know how it's going to be tough in between the game. You don't need to add any more pressure with, you know, throwing flags for stuff that doesn't need to be. And it's not on the officials. They're just doing what they're told. Yeah, absolutely. So it's nothing against them, but I think it's something that definitely should be revisited over the offseason. Absolutely. Well, that's where we're going to leave it for this week, guys. And uh, we'll see you next week after a great slate of games this Friday.